0: It's the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman, Jamie Rivers. And every time right. we talk about right it's occupies, the four, it's the fourth liner that's mentioned right. on every show. Yeah. Skateboy <laughs> Skate,
1: Boys Kate, the Bobby Bass, and Dumpin. So. Alright, are we all ready? Are you good over there? Huh? Are you good over there? Right, yeah. Okay, it's... good, because we're recording. Alright, great.
0: It is the last minute blues podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 105.7 7 the point, and our homeboy former St. Louis Blues defenseman and now teammate at 101 ESPN Jamie Rivers uh, gentlemen uh, it's great to see you great to be in the room and I got to tell you that since the Petro news broke um actually since the Tory Krug uh, news broke I have been dying to get in here and to talk to you guys yeah. a- about it and and you know because certainly this is a huge transition in the in the in the history of the team you know whether it be However, we go and we all have opinions on it, but this is a a formative, a, a important moment in the history of the franchise.
2: Yeah, the only thing comparable, quite honestly, is when Brett Hull was yeah. let walk and he went and signed with Dallas because you know they couldn't find the agreement here, which oddly enough was crazy because it all kind of circulated around some of the same crap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is one of the biggest moments in, in Blues franchise history to you know let the best player available walk. For free agency, your captain, your first Stanley Cup champion captain, it's uh, it's quite a bit to take in and then to pull the switcheroo and then sign Tori Krug from the enemy, the Boston Bruins, to command, which usually that's the way it works. You find somebody that you hated to play against because they are good players, and that's why you hate them is because they're either irritating to play against or very good. And- right. It's been a lot. It's been a whirlwind, guys. I'm telling you what. It's been crazy.
1: Right. And a tip of the cap to Tory Krug for, uh, for being the enemy and then having the, the people that beat him go, you know what? We beat all you guys, but you're so good, we want you. You it, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, you, well,
2: look, he doesn't care.
1: You know, like, at the end of the
2: day, he's you're looking at the St. Louis Blues. It's a good hockey team. Right. And, yeah, they just lost Alex Petrangelo, who was a massive part of their team, but you just happen to play the same position, and so you're hoping you can go in there and get the job done. And the rest of the pieces are pretty much all in place. Yeah. So for Tori Krug, this is like the best of all worlds, to being able to sign a good deal, 6.5, seven years. That's a massive amount of money for that guy. And at the same time, he gets to go right to a contender. All right. So what what does he bring to the team,
1: first of uh, all? Great hair, first okay. of all. He's great got hair. Great that's hair. He's that's got,
2: always key. He's got good flow. He's got uh, big... Tree trunks for legs. Mm-hmm. So he's got that. Because well, he's a like short like stocky cat. So he's kind of got to have short, a short stocky cat. Right? He's got a nice butt. Nice I mean, you'll butt find out. Yeah. well, yeah, yeah. your media
1: accessibility is probably banned still, right? Your blacklist is. Now, what I've been, I'm going to delete all that. From what I've heard, he is a good power play guy and could captain a power play. Yes, or no.
2: Yeah. He's, listen, the Boston Bruins power play has been phenomenal for a number of years now. And Tory Krug has been a part of that. Yes, they've had David Poster knock, Patrice Bergeron. Brad Marchand, they've had some pretty big swing and you know what on the power play. And Torrey Krug has been a guy that patrolled the blue line and did a great job there. So, yes, he has uh, great power play abilities. He's great with transition, moves the puck up the ice very well. Good first pass defenseman out of the defensive zone. Where he falls short is he's not as good defensively. Uh, he's not a big guy. And people say, well, he's not afraid to step up and hit. Look at the Robert Thomas hit. Well, Robert Thomas not a big guy either. Right. And and that's one. That's one hit. <laughs> where, where a guy like Tory Krug is susceptible to bigger players is down low in the defensive zone. Guys like Pat Maroon. Imagine that. Handling the puck down low. Jamie Benn. Uh, Tyler Sagan. Like guys who are so big and strong. He, he has a hard time containing those guys sometimes. He has a hard time boxing those guys out in front of the net um but you know what he's a feisty guy he works extremely hard and you know the blues are going to have to pair him with somebody then who can maybe take out the trash a little bit like i said uh, on our show on 101 i said colton pareko might be a great partner for for this young man i know that scandela was really good with Pareco, but now you're you're upgrading Pareco mm-hmm. because alex petrangelo is gone you need somebody to be in the first pair of d on the right side and Obviously, that's Colton Pareko. So I could see them playing
0: uh, pareco with Krug and to offset some of that size stuff. All right, I, there's I, there are so many things that I want to ask. I don't even. I honestly don't even know where to start. But by the I think,
2: way, wait, did you guys enjoy uh, your home for the last podcast? Oh, I did. Over 101.
0: Oh, that yeah. was a good time. Yeah, yeah, it was a very good yeah, time. That but was it's really cool. it, dude, it's totally nerve-wracking being over there. Mm-hmm. Because when it's just us three, it's just us three bullshitting, Right. but when we're over there, we're <laughs> supposed to know what we're talking about. And that's when I start to get a little skittish. It's <laughs> you know? yeah. a little bit of a different I world, right? Worry about it.
1: I wouldn't worry about it. But it, it.
0: was uh, but it but it was a blast. Yeah. I you know, I was unable to hear this. Um it, it, Jamie, for those of us that were not able to hear your thoughts on the deal. I would like to know those. And I, I, obviously, this really sucks for you in a legit, in a different way than the rest of us because you're friends with the dude. So it's one of your homies that's moving, which outside of hockey, that friggin' sucks. But, but but can you kind of talk about this deal, what you think about this deal from the Blues' perspective, but also, too, I want to know from the, from the Golden Knights' perspective as well because they had to flip a couple really talented players in order to make the money work for Petra. So I, I'm, I'm just curious on those things.
2: So we'll start in reverse okay. here, okay? And we'll address the Vegas Golden Knights moving pieces to make room. And I said this a long time ago. Other teams will be willing to make Earth and Heaven move to get Alex Petrangelo, mm-hmm. and that's what they did. They cleared out Nate Schmidt. They traded him to Vancouver, which is a great trade for the Canucks. Uh, they moved out Paul Stasny, unfortunately, for, for Paul because he's a heck of a centerman, but they had to free up some salary cap space, and they're not done. They're probably going to end up moving Marc-Andre Fleury. So, yeah, there's going to be some significant moves that have been made at the end of all this, but they wanted Alex Petrangelo. What were they missing, right? The missing piece was that dominant right shot, power play, all-around, minute-munching leader on their, for them on defense. They had Shea Theodore, who's a great young player, but he doesn't have the command of the locker room or of the ice night in and night out that an Alex Petrangelo has. So that's Vegas just identifying what they need, finding it that it's it's open on the market, and they go and get it. Now, how did he end up on the market? I think the Blues made an, an internal decision that they didn't want to spend – that kind of money. Now, they did make a good offer. At least we think they did. You know, uh, it's been reported. Never has the dollar amount been disclosed, but I would imagine it's right around the $8 million mark. Um, and that's a heck of an offer, but the terms weren't what Alex Petrangelo wanted or what he felt he deserved. And people always jump at this and go, well, he's being paid. He's rich. Cry baby." There's two sides to this. If you own a company and the owners are allowed to make money. They don't have to disclose how much money they're making. They might be making it hand over fist. And then when they make a decision to dig their heels in, well, that's just good business. That's mm-hmm. just shrewd business stuff. Mm-hmm. When the player digs his heels in and goes for certain demand, well, he's greedy. I hate that. Dude. I don't like that narrative i don't like it because the player is his business like it's alex petrangelo llc basically yep and he's allowed to make money for his company he has several people that he has to keep employed or pay on his payroll and he has a small window for that this is absolutely every other time he's never been unrestricted Mm -hmm. so this is his chance to truly you know get to hit the stock market while it's high and I, i talk about he's got several people that he is on his payroll I say that symbolically, but he's got a wife. He's got four kids. Um, you know, He's got parents. He's got family. He's got agents. He's got all this stuff going. So Alex Petrangelo, LLC, has a lot of people he has to think of. It's not just him. Just as Doug Armstrong has a lot of people to think of with the Blues, he's got to think of Tom Stillman's wallet. He's got to think of the rest of the team's finances, the fan base here. Can we keep a competitive team if we give up XYZ and keep Petro? There's a lot that goes into it. Ultimately, guys, they couldn't find common ground. Doug was willing to give a certain amount of money in a certain version of a no-movement clause and a little bit of signing bonus to what I'm told towards the end of the deal. And Alex wanted what the going rate was. And if you look at Roman Yossi, it was 9000000 million, no-movement clause, heavy signing bonus. And Vegas gave him that. So, you know what, at the end of the day, Doug Armstrong, he was on our show, actually, uh, on 101, and he said 11 o'clock is when the window opens for guys to teams to talk to players. He goes at 11:01, we get up and we take players' names off the board. So at that point, basically, he got up and took Petrangelo's name off the board. So at that point, Alex Petrangelo has a decision to make. Right. Everybody talks about how Doug couldn't sit around and wait for Petro. Well, neither could Petro at this point. He had to get busy and figure out what his next
0: move was. Because there wasn't an abundant—I mean, not that there weren't teams interested, but teams that could le- legitimately make it work that he would want to play for. There probably wasn't a ton of those. There were more than you think. Okay. Well, um, and I'm not trying to undersell his no, no, ability. No, no, no. I'm just saying for the money and, and and you know being able to make it work financially.
2: Very specific buyer, if you're if you're talking like yeah. that. And there are probably four or five teams. Now, had this been a non-pandemic year, probably would have been 15 to 20 teams. Mm-hmm. But Alex, too, had made it very clear that he wanted a certain type of team. He wanted to go to a team that could be a contender. He had no interest in being part of a full rebuild. Because if that was the case, Steve Eiserman was ready to you know, roll out the red carpet and send him to a hockey town up there in Detroit, mm-hmm. right? And Petro, to my knowledge, uh, probably didn't want that. And so Vegas, Toronto... Florida, Florida I heard. these guys were all in the mix. Uh, Toronto, for obvious reasons, they got a good, talented young team and he's from born and raised in the Toronto area. But then it came down to Vegas. They sent the private jet here. We all saw the pictures, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway Alex had from his visit to Vegas was he just said to me, he goes, they're just they know how to do it. They do it right. He goes, you know, they have their shit together. And he was really impressed with, you know, look at Vegas, the appeal is, oh, we've got the strip and all the shows and the dancing and the nightlife. Well, yeah, but Alex has a wife and four kids, so how often is he really down there whooping it up, right? (laughs) Right. Right, right. He's probably (laughs) avoiding that like the plague most nights.
1: (laughs) Or he really needs that every (laughs) night. (laughs) Maybe once a month he needs that.
2: You're not wrong there. But the Summerlin area where all the players live and where their training facility is, is top notch. And what people are starting to realize is Vegas is an incredible hockey town. The fans, they're the locals. Everybody thought it would be the people traveling, right? Oh, we're going to give tickets away and it's going to be every night because people are in town every night. The locals are creating the demand. They are nuts for this team. And Petro's massive news for these guys. He's a fresh Stanley Cup champion. The number one guy available. So look, it just checked all the boxes. And here's what people don't understand.
0: Is it's okay for both sides to be right. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? That, like, I was I, just going to say, dude, like, I, as much as this seems like a situation in years past, I would have been pissed off at somebody. I'm not.
1: The, I, the, my my I, whole thing is, and I said it earlier, is the best way to look at it is you agree to disagree. That's the best way for me to look at it because Petro put uh, put a line in the stand, sand here. Blues put a line in the sand here, and neither one of them budged. And respect on both sides; don't hate e- either side. But a couple of things that I would want to say to Petro is: first of all, four kids—you don't have—you don't have to have a kid every time you have sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably going to be could, limited now. Yeah, if you could pass that along to him, that would I'm be. I'm sure. Yes, that would knows. that would be great. He but knows also exactly who you are. But also be fearful. not fearful, but. Um, don't be careful, I guess, what you, where you can uh, make the fans turn on you is what you say in the press after this. Don't say things like, oh, Vegas is the best place in the world to play hockey. That's why I went there Because that's going to sour people here. Petro we would ha- do that.
0: No, I don't think. No, I, I mean, I, I've
2: read saying, quotes
1: already of him saying that.
2: He, he was quoted as saying that it's uh, one of the best places in the league, that there's a reason people would want to go there. Uh-huh. Listen, And
1: and I'm not going to be sensitive to that, but I'm saying all the haters that are going to cancel their season tickets because Petro's not here anymore are going to glom on to that, and that's the sour taste in their mouth. Look, we all know in 10 years he's going to come back for the 10-year anniversary of the Cup. There's going to be a nice montage video of him the first time he's at Scott Trade Center. Is it Scott Trade still? No. No. No, it's not. Uh, Enterprise Center, and and we're gonna we're gonna. I had to think about it. Though. Shower. I wasn't <laughs> gonna give him the answer. We're gonna shower him with love every time he's in that building. I get all that, it, but right now is when it hurts, and I think the best thing to do is step back. Like I think you said on Twitter, it's like okay, I went through all the emotions. Now I got to look at it as a business. Nobody wanted to move off of what they did, and also don't say. Oh, all I wanted to do was play in St. Louis. I always want I just wanted to stay in St. Louis. No, you didn't. Or else you would still be here. Well, that's... because you would bend your rules for that. Well, no. Would I have liked to stay here? Yes. All I wanted to do was stay here. That's where the language would get people upset. I think we're dicing up things. Absolutely. Way I'm too saying much. people will is what um, I'm saying. So don't say that stuff.
2: And part of it too, though, Jeff, is the narrative was created by things that were said here. And Alex Petrangelo felt the need to clarify some things yeah. and also um maybe maybe he's aggravated and maybe he took a shot at some of the people or some of the things that went on here. I don't know, okay? But I do know that he's been criticized heavily by the fan base here for just wanting to get what he thinks is market value. Ah, sure. S- yeah, look at such bullshit. Yeah, but listen here, look at Dak Prescott the other night. Yeah, man. Broken ankle. His foot was literally on the wrong way. What do you think is going through his mind now? He just turned down a big contract for the Dallas Cowboys – these athletes are at risk every time they touch the ice. That's why he was crying on the way out. That's what, yeah. <laughs> I said that to the other day. I was like, yeah, those aren't tears from pain. Those no, are tears of money, money walking out the window. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, uh, one of the things that, that we talked about when the season was over, um, when, when the, the bubble experiment for the Blues came to a uh, an earth shattering end, was one of the things that you had said in passing, Jamie, is that you thought one of the things the Blues might be doing next year is getting a little faster. Does the does the Krug deal help that? Does it help them with that? Here is my concern. I appreciate that we we have this guy that might be a little sharper on the offensive end than Petro, but what have we lost on the defensive end? When truthfully, and I love Jordan Bennington. I'm not trying to talk shit, but I think that there are questions going into next season as to to him. So are we creating a really freaking difficult problem with the the defensive side of, of, of things here with Petro leaving. That is my biggest
2: concern. Well, Craig Berube is going to have to take a look at the team, and I do think he's going to have to change the style of play a little bit. And here's why. You, you've lost Jay Bollmeister, okay? And I know he wasn't there at the end of the season, but it was pretty obvious he wasn't either. Yeah, okay? man. So you lost Jay Bollmeister. You've lost Alex Petrangelo, which is your 25 minutes a night against the top guys in the league. You've lost Jake Allen. And he's kind of gotten lost in all of this, right? But if Jordan Bennington is not who he can be, you're not stuck, but then you're deferring to Ville Huso who's unproven. Where in the past, you've had Jake Allen, that whether you love or hate him or both in the same day, who knows, he's been able to be a really solid NHL goalie. And last year was a phenomenal year for him. He had a fantastic season where you won't have that safety net now. So what happens here now is, Justin Falk, be careful what you wish for, meaning... He wanted more ice time, more responsibility, wanted to be the man well, you what got it, He's Bubba. going to be. He's mm-hmm. going to be in the top four. And he's going to be relied upon heavily. And this is where that deal becomes really important. Crucial. Because, you know, Doug Armstrong and the team felt, I think at that point, although they don't say it, I'm sure that in the back of their mind were like, this is kind of a replacement for Petro if he if he walks away if we lose in free agency. Well, now it's going to be directly compared. Tory Krug's going to have it tough too. Don't get me wrong. People are going to love him. He's a hell of a player. I have nothing negative to say about the individual. But the first time he's caught standing beside a guy who puts it in the top shelf in front of the net and he doesn't have him covered, well, that wouldn't have happened with Petro here. Petro would have cleared that. Yeah. And then Justin Falk, if he turns one over in the middle of the ice, well, that wouldn't have happened. Damn it. He's playing too much now. So these guys are going to have a tremendous amount of stress, and so will Colton Pareko. Colton Pareko now is like, everyone's like, well, finally, he gets to be the number one. Again, careful what you wish for. There's a lot of stress involved in that.
0: Okay, one of the things uh, that somebody was explaining to me and helped me with this a bit was that now Falk, a couple of these defenders are going to be able to play on their natural side. Yeah. Can you talk about the difference in which that that makes? And could that legitimately be a reason why we might not have seen Falk at his best?
2: Yeah, it is. And playing your offside, especially as a defenseman, is really difficult because... When you're playing your natural side, your body is more open to, the up, to seeing up the ice. Your toes are pointed in the right direction. And so when you do transition of a D to D and you're looking up the ice, you just have to move your body and you can find a pass quickly. If the, if the ice is up the other way, you're turned backwards, it's in your blind spot. So you're getting a pass here and now you've got to look, you've got to turn your whole body around in order to make a transition play or
1: your only play is to shoot it off
2: the wall. And all you're doing is giving possession back to the other team.
1: And, by the way, you have about .7 seconds to figure that out.
2: Right. Yeah, Yeah. and if you, the Blues like to take ice out there, meaning it goes D to D, and the D push the pace up the ice. Well, that's really easy to do it on your strong side because you get it, and in motion you can head up the ice. The other way, you're kind of dragging it again, your blind spot, into what will be a forecheck, sitting there waiting for you. It makes life a lot more difficult, and if you make a move on your wrong side, you end up on your backhand to pass it through the middle of the ice, which it's not an easy play to make. So, yeah, it's definitely in the transition part of the game, it's more difficult than anywhere else
1: for sure. It's going to be very, very interesting by the time training camp starts. Is there going to be any other changes that happen roster-wise that you know of, or is this it I, right I here? I think
2: that's it. You know, they brought in Kyle Clifford, too. Right. Mm. Uh, I was going yeah, yeah. to talk I, about I was gonna him ask too. about some of the yeah. acquisitions. Didn't you, didn't you have him on? We had him on yesterday. He was a great, a great dude. Um he dropped the uh, he dropped a shit show on live oh, radio. Oh, oh good. boy! Good, good, good. Yeah, good. And the uh, the dump <laughs> button was not loaded. <laughs> oh, oh so no. You got
1: to fire that up every time. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah, I think we have three of those.
0: So over is, at the point. So is Ky- oh, actually two oh, at least. Two? Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah, yeah. So is Kai yeah, We Ky- might want to borrow one of those. <laughs> you <laughs> might need to. So is this dude like uh, he's a is he a prick? for lack of a better word, yeah, he's in, a- the, in the best way possible.
1: Let's don't look at his plus minus. I'm just saying I looked at that, and that's an unfortunate situation <laughs> yeah, but wasn't there. Yeah, was in, in, in L.A. and for- kind Toronto? Of, kind of looks like my credit score. Don't look at it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. No, you know what? Look, The one thing I think the Blues have missed, specifically last season, the season before they had Pat Maroon, who handled some of these things, but they've really been missing that designated asshole. Mm-hmm. and. You know, last year, a lot of times when they needed somebody to step up physically, it was Braden Shen. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can't have that dude doing that job night in and night out and, and doing all the fighting. So Kyle Clifford is a real able player. He's played, you know, first through fourth line. He's not a regular top six forward by any means. He can fill the holes in a short term, like if it's an end of the game or for one game you need him up there, you can do that. But he runs around and hits everything that moves. He blocks his shot with his face if he has to. And if something, if push comes to shove in the the new NHL and somebody actually wants to drop the mitts, he's more than happy to accommodate that and stick up for his teammates. So uh, that, coupled with I've heard that he's an amazing teammate that guys love him and love having him around, I think it's a win for the Blues. And the thing based on that is, like, Doug Armstrong alluded to the fact that Alexander Steen might be done.
1: Right. He
2: literally said that the other day on our show. He said, Alex has played over a 1,000 games. He's had a lot of bumps and bruises and maintenance of this, that. And right now we have him on long-term injury reserve. Uh, Don't know if that will change. Uh, So basically saying, you know, we might be without Alexander Steen for the entire season of his last year with the Blues. I'm not
1: trying to be gossipy.
2: What
0: is it? Is it a culmination of things? Like, because it seems like, and and I'm not, this is, I'm not talking shit, but it seems like there. There's always a nick. Right. You know what I mean? A shoulder, a, a something oh God, or the other. Yeah. And, and, and I and don't that, mean that detrimentally no, points towards
1: the 1000 games.
0: yeah, is
2: what that does, yeah. He plays a style of hockey that, you know, he's not a fighter by any means, but he does finish his hits, he blocks a lot of shots, he's not afraid to stick his nose in in front of the net and he takes a lot of hits. Trust me, over the course of a long career like that, it takes a toll on you. It's bad, it's hard I and bet. So I think that he's probably got a number of little things going on, and the hardest part that I found when I got to the end of my career was being healthy enough to train properly in order to be in shape to play the game. It wasn't that I couldn't play the game anymore, but my body wouldn't let me get into the kind of condition that I needed to be in because I just couldn't get there anymore.
0: So, do you think that this could potentially be a situation where Alex Steen is saying, "I don't know that I wanted that, that I that I w- want to try"? To, to recover. You know what I'm saying, like, yeah. like, Do you think that there has maybe been some discussion between Alex and, and Doug about yeah. the possibility of where this could go? I think there
2: has because,
0: quite honestly, he was pretty quick to
2: throw him on the LTIR. Mm-hmm. Usually that would wait till training camp. Sure. Um, And I think that there was discussion. And I think that at the same time, Steiner probably said, I'm not close to being healthy. So if we put me on the long-term injury, then it frees up that money to go and, at the time, possibly throw it into the Petrangelo deal, which right. we know that's not happening now. But now Kyle Clifford gets signed because probably there was money available to wow. do it.
1: What? what an ultimate teammate. I mean, Steen, if that's what he said, hey, look, man, I may not be able to do I don't this. know. I'm
2: just assuming. But, but if that's know?
1: the case. so So uh, my final question, at least, is the big question is who's going to be the new captain? And and we talked about this on the morning show. Dude, there's I, one answer,
0: my uh, man. I know oh, that's what everybody thinks. Donnie. One answer. Go, go ahead. There's absolutely one answer. Uh-huh. Robert Portuzo. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I mean, come on, man. It's 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 Ryan O. There's there's Now that's what we said
1: too, but give you a reason why that's probably gonna be it, but give you a reason why there may be another name in the hat. Ryan O'Reilly would be my pick. So let's establish uh, that.
2: That would be everybody's pick. Everybody's pick. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But a lot of teams these days, they tend to place the captaincy on someone who's going to be here long term. Ryan O'Reilly has three years left on his deal. And it, it may not end here in St. Louis because if history repeats itself, he's going to have a hard time getting re-signed here uh, with this club. That being said, Braden Shen. Has a seven-year deal in place right now. He's a captain-type player. He's that gritty, you know, guy. And this situation—I said it on, on the Riz show. I said, uh, you know, we had Pronger and McInnes here at the same time, and Al McInnes was clearly the old veteran who should have been wearing the seat. But he NBA was the leader. He... But the Blues had just signed Chris Pronger to a, a nice extension, and they decided that he was going to be the leader of the future. So they took to see and they gave it to Chris Pronger, who, by the way, disclaimer, was an excellent captain, was an excellent leader. It's not like he didn't deserve it. It just was odd when you have a guy yeah. like that's older and that's been around more. So I think that there could be that thought. I think they might get roasted by fans and media for not picking Ryan O'Reilly. Um, and also another dark horse in this is Colton Pareco. I don't think he's a captain. I think he's an incredible assistant captain. But, again, he's got two years left on his deal, and if Army was going to commit to somebody long-term after that, it could be Colton Pareko on a seven- or an eight-year extension at that point, and then all of a sudden the C looks pretty good on old 55 for, you know, 10 years
1: sure, kind right. of thing. I, I, to me, I think the C, C, the CAA goes Ryan O'Reilly, Shen, Colton Pareko. I mean, dude, we, what do you do with – well, right now, Vladdy and Steiner are out. That's why – and Schwartz is short-term as well, so. It
2: would definitely be Pareko – Shan and O'Reilly. Yeah. I think that's a no-brainer. Yeah.
0: I mean, you just see the video of, of O'Reilly after practice, before practice. He's out there by himself. He's out there with other people. Like He looks great in the hat <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the, <laughs> the thing. He's got
1: great chest hair, too. He's
0: got great chest hair. That's Dude, right. Guys, I mean, we have done a majority of this podcast for maybe the first time ever without dicking around very much. That's pretty good. Like, this it's has good been point. some pretty unbelievable hockey talk maybe, for like 35 minutes or so. Maybe
1: this will get us a sponsorship, <laughs> which are still available.
0: <laughs> good seats still available folks.
1: <laughs> call Rivs. Here's his cell. Okay, so yeah. what's,
0: uh, is there another, like, what's next as far as the NHL universe oh, goes? Well,
1: and they gotta decide opening day and all that stuff, too, oh, right? God, I mean, yeah. that, Which that, is still being, just... Yeah, that's being thrown around. They right? call that a fluid situation. Mm, oh, I, man, I learned that no.
2: uh, in this media world now that it's a fluid. fluid oh, situation, okay.
1: which yeah. means nobody knows anything which really means right It means it's just now.
2: constantly moving, Jeff. Yes. Like, if you had a fluid, it just keeps moving. It's not a solid,
1: right? Okay. If they did As start... a Crohn's patient, I know all about fluid. And sometimes your situation is very fluid. No, it's it's okay. I just sometimes since 1978, my friend. I just, it's really crappy.
0: I just oh damn it! And now I forgot the goddamn question that I was going to ask because I just kept this, thinking of Jeff pooping. Is, is Odell
2: Beckham Jr. your favorite football player? Why? I don't he's, get it. He's crappy, too. Oh, damn. Oh, I, that, now that now I got. Now I get it.
1: Now I <laughs> um, so, think it's a coincidence he signed with the Browns. Do we have, hey, do we have, we don't even have, like, a date on on training camp or anything yet. Nothing. Either, right? Nothing. What about S- fans? Okay. Any of that
0: stuff? One, Nothing, right? But One question. Seriously. <laughs> if they start on January the 1st like they want to, how will they still, how many games will they try to squeeze in? As of right now. They're talking full 82-game schedule. So this is where it gets interesting.
2: And this is where I went a couple weeks ago. I went off into, like, my conspiracy world down on the show. And I said, because Henrik Lundqvist was available, and there's some veteran goalies that are out there that are available, I thought to myself, it might be a year where you take up an extra roster spot and have a third goalie. And the reason being is if you get a guy hurt – or if you're playing three games in four nights, and you have a ton of back-to-backs, because they're going to try and do what baseball did, which is slam four pounds of shit in a three-pound bag. Done that? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> That's called a colostomy bag. I know. Five hundred five days, my friend. <laughs> anyway,
0: uh, anyway, back to Henrik Lundqvist.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: do, do we want to continue, I, or I, we want to put the wraps Johnny, on? I, I think, I think feel we're like, done. <laughs> I think I think we have. Ladies and gentlemen, that is another episode of the Last Minute Blues podcast. I'm very sorry for the last three minutes. Uh, Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, us. Jamie Rivers. Listen, share this podcast with your hockey loving friends. Uh, we enjoy doing this, and uh, we will uh, you know, we'll keep doing it once a week as long as we are able. As always, let's go blues. Thanks, boys. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.